y'all. Welcome back to the Boost Podcast. Happy Advent to everyone listening. Um, Today, we are starting a new series on popular piety, and we are jumping in on the topic of candles. So let's dive right in. Okay, Father, so we are talking candles today. And first off, though, we're talking about popular piety. Yep. So what does that mean? What do we mean when we say something is an action of popular piety? Sure. So uh, to better understand what popular piety is, I think we need to make a distinction between uh, the fact that popular piety are the things that we do that is outside of the liturgy, something Mm -hmm. that is not uh, in the rubrics of Holy Mother Church, something that we don't do as a community, but rather as an individual. Right. It helps our own prayer life. Right. And a lot of the times those come out of liturgical practices. Like, Absolutely. Like what we're talking about today. And it should. So our popular pieties should always flow from the liturgy mm-hmm. and back into the liturgy. So everything we do outside of the liturgy, i.e. mass, should always be in support of what is happening at church in the liturgy already. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So again, talking about candles today and talking about them in light of popular piety. (laughs) Um, So this is a topic that I love quite dearly. This was uh, my thesis topic. It was. uh, A lot to do with with this stuff. So I promise to not just be a windbag the whole time. I dare say that Jen (laughs) is light years uh, ahead of me on this topic because of of her her thesis. Uh, She's so well read on this subject. So I'm really excited to be able to pick your brain, Jen, and uh, to talk about the subject that you wrote so much about. Mm -hmm. So we... Again, with a with a, a practice of popular piety, we are pulling from our liturgical roots and then living it out, as Father said, as individuals. So w- let's talk then about candles in the liturgy first. Sure. So candles in the liturgy, like the practicality of it was that, you know, there's there's no light bulbs when masses first are held, mass right, are, right. Um, are celebrated with the with the faithful. And so there was a knee of light in the sanctuary. Um, it, they do also currently, now that we do have electric light, um, serve as reminders of those mm-hmm. for, first masses in the catacombs, like in the secret and, you know, reminders of the oppression of the Christian faithful sure. early on. But the most important reality of a candle is actually um, far beyond that. So the reason that we still have them is because of what they promote. That's so, right. you, you, know, you know, you look at a candle and I don't know if anybody else did this as children, but like you see the flame and you like try to pass your hand through it really quickly so it doesn't burn you. Yeah. But it's it's mysterious. It's very ethereal. There's a, a mm-hmm. nature to it that we don't quite understand. It doesn't have mass. It is like it's a chemical reaction that's mm-hmm. happening. So it's all very interesting. And so we're always, we've always been fascinated sure, by fire sure. and by the light that a candle casts. Yeah. I mean, looking just in, in uh, his story, right? Uh our history, our own history, like when, mm. when the discovery of fire happened itself, like mm-hmm. that changed the way we live, that changed the way we saw things. Right. And so, yeah, when man comes into contact with something like a candle that is burning, it, it, there is a sense of mystery and awe there, mm-hmm. and we should. Yeah, and so by by that mystery, by that ethereal nature, it promotes the object of the liturgy. It mm-hmm. embellishes it and enlightens it, no pun intended. Right. It literally sheds a spiritual light on, hey, this is a mystery beyond our understanding that, like, by the grace of God, we're allowed to participate in. Yep. Um, 
So that's how we use them in the liturgy. We still mm-hmm. use them daily in the liturgy. We do. Um, and, you know, even though we have all of those lights and such. And so what has happened is that, so that use of candles in the home has come directly from our liturgical it practices. Has. It has. So like many of the things that we do at home, uh, which this series of popular piety will be talking about, mm-hmm. uh, all come from the liturgy itself. It's all stuff that as the deacon or the priest dismisses us to go out into the world to proclaim the good news, um, that great dismissal or the great commissioning, we go out and we bring and we live and we be liturgy at our home. And mm-hmm. so uh, we can see it uh, early on in the church and even from our Jewish roots, the use of candles and mm-hmm. the importance of it in the liturgy, not only for practical reasons, as you pointed out, giving us a physical light so we can see what we're doing, and but the symbolism that it represents. We know that uh, from even the early, early times uh, during Jewish times, uh, we read in Exodus around Exodus uh, chapter 27 and through mm-hmm. uh, 40 as uh, they're bringing together the tent of meeting, right, before the temple is being built, uh, God instructs Moses and Aaron to keep a flame burning perpetually. It, it symbolizes um, God's presence with them and, and the prayer of the people from generation to generation. And that continues on even into uh, the time when they build the temple itself and they place the menorah in it. I know you can speak more about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wrote on it in your thesis. So um, the menorah is that branched lampstand that uh, is built pure of pure gold and is placed outside of the Holy of Holies in the mm-hmm. inner um, in the inner chamber of the temple. And the reason that it's built in the way that it's built is to hearken to kind of three different things. So it brings us back to the burning bush mm-hmm. that Moses encounters at the beginning um, of his journey with the Lord, where this bush that is, in, you know, um, burning but not consumed shows him something about the nature of God. Right. Shows him you know, the power of God, the might of God, but also the beautiful life that God gives. And so in the menorah, we see that being almost recreated because the menorah is built to mimic that shape of the bush, built to be almost like the tree of life. It Mm -hmm. also harkens all the way back to Genesis. And there are two elements there of the the vegetal growth of a a tree, of a bush, whatever um, you'd like to think of. And then the life-giving light. Um, so we as creatures of light, even naturally, we need sunlight right. in order for us to grow and to get the vitamin D that we need, in order for us to um, use the plants that need it in, in order to, to eat ourselves. Plants, animals, humans, all of us need light and the vegetal growth that this menorah is showing us. So there's a lot of symbolism of, um, of life in there that the Lord is saying, like, this is what I provide. This is who I am um, in revealing himself that way to Moses. And and that symbol kind of carries through the Jewish tradition as well. Beautiful. And into the first century Christians, mm-hmm. and, and as uh, they celebrated Eucharist and 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 the first masses and, and lit candles uh, for that purpose and for, for praying. And uh, throughout the centuries, we see it... Um, even before the 12th century, candles being used in the Mass and at the liturgy. And uh, we'll talk about a little later um, what the candle itself represents. But mm-hmm. So from the liturgy, right, we get home candles. We get yeah. home altars because yeah. many people um, 
during difficult times uh, in the church, persecution or uh, not being able to maybe attend the liturgy mass mm-hmm. often because of locations and a lack of a priest, had, have always had the custom of building these home altars mm-hmm. to be close to the liturgy, close to the church. Yeah. And so uh, there's a beautiful story of, uh, of a missionary, a Jesuit, who was going to Japan and was going to re-evangelize uh, a group who had already been evangelized and Christianity had been brought to. And that particular establishment had closed down, hadn't seen a priest for so many years. And so upon his arrival at port, the townspeople were really excited to, to have a priest finally because that meant mass, confession, the Holy Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And uh, one particular family was so excited that that father was there that he brought him to their house and uh, dug up something that they had buried for many, many years. And inside of the box was a corporal, which is the uh, linen cloth that mm-hmm. is placed on the altar where the uh, host, the, the, um, the patent and the chalice rests. Mm-hmm. And so that was, they, were, they were so excited to show the priest because that was the closest thing that they had to Christ at that particular moment, and they were treasuring that. And so with that in mind, many of the people, too, would would build these home altars as a way of of orienting their prayer, their family life, the rhythm of their home life, Mm -hmm. uh, go in there to pray. And then on this altar, like the altars in these beautiful European cathedrals and churches, they would place uh, candles as well Mm -hmm. uh, and and would light it when they would pray. Nothing, um, Nothing liturgical per se, but in their prayer. Right, right. When the liturgy, you know, when we are sacramental beings, Mm -hmm. like we've, I think we've talked about before the fact that we are physical, we have senses, God made us in that way, but our senses can always lead us to a deeper spiritual understanding as well. And so we see this happening in the liturgy, in the church itself. Right. And our desire, when we, when we have those good desires of growing in virtue, of continuing in prayer, even outside of the liturgy, that's when we get things like, oh, well, like, I can build an altar in my house. I can set aside a place for the Lord. Absolutely. Even if the Lord, you know, is not present in the Eucharist there, right. he is present in their prayer and is present to them constantly throughout their day. And so the altar becomes, you know, a place that's set aside for the Lord in a particular way. And like like you said, like liturgy may, if you can have a priest come to your home and pray the Mass there, but even if you pray the liturgy of the hours right. around your altar, um, you know, it's a way for us to, to bring that popular piety into our daily mm-hmm. lives, but to also to draw the liturgy, which is central right. to our to lives. To hollow our time and our mm-hmm. space there at home. With this, with this place and with this hour, right, right set aside for worship. That's right. right. So we build these home altars to mimic the liturgy. And then, Father, you were telling me before we started um, about a custom here in Louisiana that kind of connects this to candles as well. Right, right. So uh, we have a practice here, obviously, in our churches. We burn our candles. We have many candles. We have them in the sanctuary uh, around the altar. We have them around the high altar where the tabernacle is, a sanctuary lamp that burns. Uh, and many people donate money mm-hmm. uh, in memory of a living or deceased person for the sanctuary lamp to be uh, burnt in. And one of the customs that we have here is that when the candles burn down to a certain level, that they, they can't be used anymore uh, because of the candle uh, followers, right? Mm-hmm. We'll take them out and we'll put them in a box and we often distribute them to the faithful mm-hmm. who bring them home. And during uh, 
especially in hurricane during hurricane yeah. season and other difficult times of maybe famine or just the sickness of a loved one or anything going on uh, that would need prayers. Uh, we would th- the families would burn that, and mm-hmm. that's a way of not only offering up prayer, but as a way to be united back to the sacrifice right. uh, that happened in church. Right, absolutely, which is just such a beautiful tradition to kind of keep this candle that's already been blessed, that has had a mm-hmm. role in the church um, as a reminder of, you know, of, of that desire that we have to return to the liturgy, and of course that desire that we have in the end of our lives to go to the heavenly liturgy right. in, in, um, after our lives are, have ended. It's, it's a beautiful connection if you think about it. Like many candles are made throughout the world, but how many candles are made for the sole purpose of worship, mm-hmm. of, of being burned in honor and praise of Almighty God? So mm-hmm. like that candle itself takes on a special meaning. And right. so to have that in your home, right, to have blessed candles in your home, and especially to have a blessed candle that was used in the liturgy, uh, where the Eucharist was present, like that's a that's a huge uh, honor and uh, privilege for many of us. Absolutely. So we have candles that we use in popular devotion, and there are a couple different ways that we can use those candles. Um, our listeners are probably fairly familiar with a lot of different ways to use blessed candles. Um, so we have uh, candles that we light for the souls of the faithful departed. Mm-hmm. You know, we have candles that we light at home in um, things like the Advent wreath. Right. That's um, part of part of that popular devotion is to is to have your own home Advent wreath as well. Right. Um, what else, Father? What else do we use candles for in the home? Sure, we can use them for not only for those who we light in uh, in memory of our deceased loved ones who we're praying for, but also for different prayer intentions for people mm-hmm. who might be going through a rough time for those who are still living. Uh, those are a few that are coming to mind right now. Yeah. And it's just a reminder is really what, what, what the candle is. And we'll talk about here now, um, what they symbolize, but Mm -hmm. a lit candle, you, you kind of, you're always reminded of it, you know, you know, hopefully if you're a mindful person, you're not going to leave it burning in a, in a place that it, you know, is going to cause any damage or anything. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's used in popular devotion because of the beauty. And again, that ethereal light that we don't quite understand, um, but also because it's a, a constant reminder. We see it lit. We remember that we're praying for mm. a person who has passed, right. a person who is ill, ourselves, our family, whoever it might be. Right. And sometimes we'll put them, uh, as I'm thinking about it more, in front of sacred images, yeah. uh, pictures, statues. And it's not worshiping this this person or making an idol out of them, but simply it's, as you said, when a, a lit candle has us remember, mm-hmm. right? We, we we recollect on what it is that we are thinking about, what it is that we're praying about. It also serves as a, as a sign of a vow that yeah. as this candle was burning, right, we don't just say a prayer once as it's lit, but hopefully as the candle is burning and as, it, as it's uh, spending itself, we continue to offer sacrifice and prayer for whatever intention it is that we are um, asking and petitioning the throne of God for. Absolutely. Through the I- intercession of saints. Mm-hmm. So we use candles um, in the church, and we've, we've always used them because they have particular symbolism to them, uh, mm-hmm. not just the fact that this light is very mysterious, which is obviously very important, but there's more to the entirety of what the candle is, and it's got a what we would call a sacramentality to it. Yes. And the best way to describe that is probably how... Um, how Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger describes it. He says, things are more than things. So what he's trying to say there is that, yes, it's a candle, but 
again, it's a physical thing that tells us something beyond the physical. Mm -hmm. It tells us something about ourselves. It tells us something about the Lord whom we worship. And it tells us, you know, so many different things about how we can live our lives. So let's dive into some of the symbolism there, Father. Sure. So the most obvious thing that a candle does is that it shows us the passage of of time. Mm -hmm. That from the very moment we light this, it's already consuming itself. It's already changing. Mm -hmm. It's not only going from an unlit candle to a lit candle, but the wax itself is melting away. It's getting smaller. It's it's consuming itself. It's spinning itself. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that really shows us not only the passage of of time and change but of a of a of a sacrifice. Right. The candle is is sacrificing itself. Mhm. And it it points to something that's greater, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross who spins right. himself, who is consumed on the cross, who is um you know comes to an end, consummated mm-hmm. if you will. Absolutely. Yeah, um Nicholas Gear is a um a wonderful theologian from the beginning kind of the cusp of the um contemporary period. He pulls a lot from the church fathers, but he speaks with a just kind of a holistic idea of, of everything that they were pulling from theology. And yeah, he talks about the sacrifice of the of the candle. He talks about how the candle itself physically is a sign of both the human person mm-hmm. and also can be a sign of Christ himself. So the human person, in the sense of the flesh of the candle, is is melted away in sacrifice. So like John uh, John the Baptist says in chapter 3 of John's gospel, he must increase, I must decrease. So I allow the flame of God, the flame of my Christian life, of my Christian belief, of Christ and the Holy Spirit living in me, to consume all that is who I am so that I am becoming one with God. Um, so we see our humanity, our frailty. Um, we see the messiness of mm-hmm. being a human. Like those candles are not, unless you have it in like a glass container, they're melting all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> There's, and right. It's and, all chaos of yeah. just, you know, melted wax everywhere that you then have to get out of your, you know, linens and everything. Right. <laughs> um, so it's, it shows us, it symbolizes the, the human person who, when we are consumed by that love of God, we, we have a new purpose. We have a new beginning in Christ himself. Um, but then additionally, on the, on the other side, we also see the sign of Christ. And we see this most in the Paschal candle. Um, but we'll talk about the Paschal candle again in a second. Um, but the, any candle really is a sign of Christ. So again, the wick, or I'm sorry, the, the uh, wax of the candle is the flesh of Christ. Because mm-hmm. remember, God was not flesh until he deigns to come into humanity as the person of Jesus Christ. Um, So the incarnation makes him flesh, makes him, uh, it makes him a sacrament, makes him a visible sign of the invisible reality of God's love. So we see the flesh in the wax of the candle. We see the, the wick as the soul of Christ. So that, that inner part that we can't see, but we know exists because God is fully God, fully man and fully God. He is, Mm -hmm. he is a body and a soul and, and with that divinity mixed in there as well. And that the divinity we see in that ethereal flame. So the flame that burns the the wick, that is the soul and the divinity of Christ wrapped in his humanity. um, That like we were talking about earlier, father is sacrificed for the life of the world that is sacrificed for every human person. 
and actually, uh, again, looking at the Paschal candle, but also just looking at candles in general, we used to, and I think some people still do, um, mm-hmm. mix within the within the wax as they're creating the candle, uh, grains or just powder of of incense. Yeah. So that when it burns, um, we have this this the good odor of sacrifice. So we were talking about our Jewish traditions earlier, mm-hmm. and one of the traditions of the Jewish people established by God is you will burn sacrifice on the altar. Well, we don't do animal sacrifice anymore, but Christ, who was the perfect sacrifice, is is consumed for us. And that sweet odor of mm-hmm. his sacrifice goes to God and makes reparation for our sins. And so in that desire to be reminded of the sacrifice of Christ, a lot of candle makers, particularly Paschal candle makers, mm-hmm. will put incense even before we stick the grains of incense into the side of the flesh of the candle, right? Um, so that when it burns, that sense that that scent, particularly of like frankincense and myrrh, mm-hmm. which we know will be presented to the child Jesus as signs of the sacrifice he will make later in his life, in his thirty third year of life. And Jen, beautifully, uh, that's beautiful. Those incense grains that we put, those mm-hmm. five incense grains into the candle into its side. Does that have any symbolism? Absolutely. Do you think if, if the uh, if the candle itself mm-hmm. it represents the flesh of Christ yeah. and us piercing that. Mm-hmm. So we are indeed piercing the flesh of the candle with the five wounds of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, in the in the liturgical if you go I, I never really would say you have to go and read the the Roman Missal, but I mean But go read the, the, go Roman, read Missal. the Roman Missal beautiful. because it's beautiful the way they describe what's happening in the prayers that father or bishop is praying as he is blessing, as he is piercing this candle. Um, Yeah. So we are seeing the five grains of incense, those five sacrifices on his body of the wounds in his hands, the wounds in his feet, the wound in his side that are the, the placement of which mimic the cross as Mm -hmm. well. We make a cross with those grains of incense that are, a pleasing fragrance to God the Father. And if that's not beautiful enough, how about... <laughs> <There's> more. <laughs> uh, yeah, and full of symbolism and sacramentality. Mm-hmm. But how about the candle itself um, coming into being, the making of it? Yes, yes. And that is... So this was probably my favorite part of writing this thesis, um, was, uh, was researching, um, you know, the making of the candles, particularly of the Paschal candle, but really any candle that's used in liturgical practices is made of beeswax mm-hmm. and is meant to be as purely white as it can be. To The whiteness is just to symbolize the cleanliness, um, the spotlessness right. of the victim, um, which is offered. But the, the beeswax part of it is important right. because... And, and we should have as much beeswax in the candle mm-hmm. as possible. I know in the rubrics uh, uh, prior to the Second Vatican Council, you had to have 100%. Yes beeswax yeah and we still push for it today. we do we do <laughs> uh, we still push for it today because of what it means because mm-hmm. beeswax so okay so the little nature walk right now yeah um so we know what a beehive does we know that there's a queen in the beehive and she is in charge of uh reproduction with the drone bees and then we have the third tier down we have the worker bees now the worker bees are female bees that do not reproduce that 
Their sole job is to produce wax and to produce honey and to feed the little baby bees that are in their little pods. So if they don't reproduce, are you telling us that these bees are virgin bees? <laughs> they are virgin bees. Um, you right. might know that phrase if you've ever been to the Easter Vigil and you have heard the exultate mm-hmm. um, drawn out by mother bees, by virgin bees. Mm-hmm. Because this idea, this symbolism of the virginity of the bee has gone all the way back to like beyond St. Ambrose, all the way back in our faith. Um, because these bees are, their work is to produce this this fragrant and delicious honey and also this wax that is stabilizing, that, that holds this home together for the other bees. And so the virgin who is you know, like St. Paul says, who is not worried of the things of this world, but rather worried on the things of God. She or he, whoever is is pledged to virginity, is a spiritual father or a spiritual mother in like the feeding of the baby bees um, with this sweet honey. Wow. But also the production of the wax is because it's a pure wax that is unadulterated. There's no spot in it. That's a sign of virtue. It's a sign of the virtues that the virgin brings into the world, particularly not to say that the lay person who is married, um, the any person who is married is not bringing similar virtues, but the virgin bee is the sign of that, that purity and that focus on God, particularly. Beautiful. So that's why we push so hard to have beeswax, because even there, even there, there's a, there's a sacramentality it that is. we're pulling forth. Um, matter matters matter matters (laughs) it does so we've got all of these symbols in um in in our candles that we use on a regular basis so let's talk a little bit about particular uses of these candles like certain i guess instances of when we use them so let's take a look at the advent wreath first i know father you did a little bit of research on Mm -hmm. on the advent wreath yeah so we, uh, many people uh, do Advent wreaths in their home. We see them now more in the liturgy or mm-hmm. rather in church outside of the liturgy because they really don't have a particular place in the liturgy. Mm-hmm. They've crept in, but we'll talk more about that on another episode. Uh, but Advent wreaths themselves, we know have how many candles? Four. Four, four <laughs> candles. And each candle itself representing about a thousand years of history, mm-hmm. salvation history from Adam and Eve all the way down to uh, Christ, the coming yes. of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Candlemas, uh, one yeah. of our favorite uh, liturgical feasts, September 2nd, the yes. presentation mm-hmm. of our Lord in the temple mm-hmm. uh, is Candlemas. It's the official end of Christmas. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is when, uh, at a very beautiful liturgy, the priest uh, with the lay faithful gathered blesses all of the candles that, in theory, will be used for mm-hmm. the upcoming year yeah all those uh, that we're going to light in honor of deceased loved ones in the sanctuary all that and then of course uh the, the sanctuary lamp that red lamp mm-hmm. that when we walk inside of a church um we look for because it shows us where mm-hmm. christ is where that he is, is present mm-hmm. right it's the sign of the pillar of flame in the exodus yeah. signifying the presence of god and so mm-hmm. we look for that and then of course what you just very beautifully explained to us, the Easter candle, also known as the uh, the Paschal candle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so the Paschal candle um, is that sign of Christ, but also just the, the actions of the Paschal candle, what we do with it um, is also very important for, for just remembering what we're doing at certain points. So in the Easter Vigil Liturgy, 
when we have blessed the fire, when we've lit the candle, when we've placed the grains of incense, then that candle goes, it splits the darkness of the night. It walks, I mean, the priest or the deacon walks it towards the altar. But remember, it stops at certain points and is lifted and the deacon or the priest chants light of Christ and everyone responds, thanks be to God. And then other candles are lit from the Paschal candle. And so by the time the Paschal candle gets to the altar, now all of a sudden there's a sea of light around it. So just as God strode through the Red Sea with the people of Israel, just as he strides through the gates of hell on the on the night of Holy Saturday to bring Adam and to bring everyone who is in waiting for him um, in the afterlife into the heavenly banquet, so too the Paschal candle strides through that darkness and brings life and light to it. So the Paschal candle, which represents Christ and who is the light of our world, the light mm-hmm. of the world, brings the light to us. Mm-hmm. And we, in turn, need to be uh, further lights of the world, light of Christ right. to others. And right. so that's beautiful imagery and a great reminder that anytime we see a candle burning, whether it's in church or even in our home, mm. that uh, the purpose of the Christian life is for us too to spend ourselves mm-hmm. in service of the gospel, for us too to consume ourselves with the things that truly matter yeah. uh, as those bees get it correct, those yeah. virgin bees, that Absolutely. to bring the message and to be the light of the world to others. It's beautiful. Yeah, so hopefully as you've listened to this, you've kind of grown an appreciation for candles. And if you ever want to come talk about candles, I'm always down. Um, but, you know, hopefully you have an, east, uh, sorry, an Advent wreath at home that you'll use. You'll light those four candles in honor of those thousands of years that we waited for the, the fullness of time to arrive, for Christ in the flesh to be born. Our true light of the world. Our true light of the world. Um, and then also, as we just continue through the liturgical year, that, that other um, candles can kind of bring back that understanding of this is who I am, but it, it is also a mirror of who Christ is and who he, what he did for me. Um, and actually, just to kind of close out with Candlemas, since Candlemas will be the end of Christmas, mm-hmm. um, as we prepare for Candlemas, like, Think about, do you want candles to be blessed for your home? Um, do you want them in your house to burn when you're when you do want to pray for those who have died, when you do want to pray for your own intentions or the tension, intentions of your loved ones and bring those candles to Candlemas um, to yep. be blessed? Because that's our that's meant to be a great and grand feast day um, because of the fact, like like uh, Father said, this is the presentation of Christ in the temple. But this is the bridegroom coming to his bride. Mm -hmm. That's why light is so important in that feast. It's the purification of Mary as Mm -hmm. well. And so there is something there. It's also the, the world day of consecrated life. um, Oh, beautiful. Is on that day. And that's why, because not only is it the purification of Mary, so she is um, her, her time of being away from the temple is over. Now she's welcomed joyously back Mm -hmm. into the temple after birthing, God himself, who is also coming into the temple to claim that which is his, which is his bride, which is the church. Um, So, so much more that we could say, so much more symbolism here, but hopefully this was helpful for you. Hopefully it was something that will help your prayer for Advent. 
Um, please also remember that we have our Ignite series going on right now for Advent in our adult small groups, but also if you'd like to do it at home with your family, we have access codes available in the church for uh, as long as we have cards available. Um, so don't be afraid to go grab one and do it with your family, light your Advent wreath and pray together as a family for Advent. And hopefully that just helps your first, the first few weeks of the liturgical year to blossom in your heart and lead you towards, um, towards just a deeper relationship with God. And again, if you have any more, um, episode ideas or questions, please feel free to email us at sthillarychurch at htdiocese.org. And have a wonderful Advent as we continue through. And God bless you. Bless you.